In this bonus show, we're doing something new for The Evolving Leader, a new short format called Meet the Author in 15 Minutes. Here, we meet Matt Maybury, a former elite athlete who experienced the effect that an incredibly powerful culture can have on inspiring performance. When he was forced to leave the sport early due to injury, he was inspired to learn more about what makes a great culture. So we discussed this and his latest book, Culture is the Way. So today we're joined uh, in a Meet the Author in 15 Minute session with Matt Maybury. Matt is a thought leader on leadership development and culture. His insights are featured in a wide range of media such as Forbes, Fortune, Business Insider and NBC. His clients range from JP Morgan, Allstate Insurance and Wesco to the FBI. Before all of this, Matt was a linebacker for his hometown team, the Chicago Bears. But due to an injury, Matt's career was cut short though he learned invaluable lessons on leadership, culture, teamwork, and peak performance. Today, we're here to discuss his latest book, Culture is the Way, how leaders at every level build an organization for speed, impact, and excellence. Matt, welcome to The Evolving Leader. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. How are you feeling today, Matt? I'm feeling fantastic. Besides the uh, cloudy and gloomy weather here in Chicago, I'm feeling pretty fantastic. Well, it's the same here in London. It's pouring with rain in, in, uh, in the middle of July, so nothing changes. <laughs> so can we start with uh, you giving us a pitch um, for Culture is the Way? What, what is it solving for? Who's aimed at? What's the big idea? You know, great question. You know, really the, the big idea is not only explaining really the importance and urgency of building a world-class culture, but also really dissecting, you know, what is a practical way to do that? And how do you how can you cultivate a world class culture, winning culture that's going to be suitable to drive the behaviors at scale within your organization, regardless of what sector we're talking about? You know, because I feel a lot of books on workplace culture, uh, there's there's a lot of fantastic books on culture. But, you know, kind of looking at that and uh, really devouring every book I could over the past 13 years. You know, what I realized is that, you know, as great as the case studies are and the 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 research you know, I want the practicality of it. Like, how can I do this if I'm, if I'm a mid-level manager or if I'm a C-suite executive, regardless of my role, right? What is a five, six-step framework that I can implement that's going to drive uh, excellence within my culture and organization every single day? And that's really the big idea of this is not only the urgency and practicality of you can start this right now. It's not about the level of resources. It's not about what sector we're in. Um, at the end of the day, it's all about a deep level of intentionality to understand the power of culture and then also apply that within your sphere of influence within an organization. That sounds really interesting. So, you know, I'm a mid-level manager and I've got a team that's sitting, you know, um, in the middle of the organization, battling all sorts of priorities and conflicts and, com you know, with other teams and, and so on. Um, what, what's the case to me in terms of what culture is, why it's important, what I can do about it? Yeah, I think very early in the book, I, I kind of draw upon, you know, some of the major misconceptions, because I think first and foremost, before you can start talking about cultivating a winning and world class culture, you first have to, 
you know, really identify and be very clear in the understanding of what are the big misconceptions. Because a lot of people believe, and you probably have seen this throughout your journey, is that culture is I get off at 3.45 p.m. on a Thursday, or I can kind of report to work whenever I want, or if I want to come to the office, or if I want to take on this project and, uh, you know, sleep pods on every floor of the company's headquarters, right? And a lot of those things are perks. And, and over the years, we've identified perks with culture. And culture really, to me, I explain it in the book, it is the DNA of an organization. It is behavior at scale. And quite frankly, a great world-class culture is not there to make everybody happy, right? We want to build a workplace that uh, people really enjoy coming to work every single day, engage in work that fulfills them deeply and intently. But at the end of the day, culture is behavior at scale to drive scalability and the winning behaviors is going to help that organization execute its strategy. So that's a that's a, a, a little bit of a counterintuitive idea. What else is what else kind of um, overturns overturns the kind of convictions and beliefs that many organizations have about this? I, I think I think one of the major things is you know you I, I talk a lot about the importance of defining your culture because a lot of you know I see this you know whether it's a mid level sector or large organization doesn't matter. Um, you know, but I think the importance of defining your culture, right? A lot of companies, I think, operate out of the belief of, hey, we have our mission statement. We have our core values. It's on the website. We have this all throughout the headquarters. But at the end of the day, if those values are not distilled and broken down into very clear and concise daily behaviors for everybody in the organization to embody and kind of uh, live out every single waking moment, uh, then, then it's not culture, right? I mean, so I, I think first and foremost, you have to define what your culture is. Right, because a mission statement is externally facing. It's how we want to be in the marketplace with our customers, suppliers, um, you know, and and defining your culture. I kind of talk about the book uh, in the book, the the importance and power of a cultural purpose statement. Uh, you see a lot of athletic teams do this, but also my years of working with organizations in uh, really every sector, right, of the past thirteen years is helping them create their own CPS statement which that is a defining mechanism of what our culture is, what it stands for, and how we can implement this within our daily lives within the organization. Where, where have you seen that really, you know, sort of working well? You know, I think, uh, you know, one of the examples I use in the book is Southern Glaciers Wine and Spirits, one of the largest liquor distributors. Um, you know, they, they, their, you know, cultural purpose statement is really predicated around the idea of get better today together. Uh, and you may hear that and say, well, what does that mean? And that's the whole purpose is that from the outside looking in, you may not be able to resonate or connect with that. But internally, everybody knows what that is, right? Every training initiative, every leadership program, every manager development program, uh, every sales training, every new hire orientation is really predicated and, and really kind of devised around that whole premise of get better today together. So it's kind of a rallying cry of, you know, how we want to live and operate and the behaviors we want to implement within our daily lives. But at the end of the day, it's also helping us define our culture of what it means to work here within the organization. So, you know, that is one example. Microsoft is probably another great example, um, you know, for the growth mindset. That's kind of really everything that they're predicated on. So I think when you look a little bit deeper, even if a company may not say it, that this is how we define our culture or the cultural purpose statement, at the end of the day, you'll notice that they have some type of purpose statement or saying that is deeply connected to who they are internally. So the middle manager often probably thinks of this topic as not in their, you know, remit. It's something that senior leaders in the organization, maybe even HR or OD or something that's looking after it. And they receive the uh you know like the the playbook and they 
you know, they do what they can, but they're really, their job is to get on with things. What is it? What's in it for them? Why, why should they be doing this? You're absolutely correct. And I, I, I honestly believe that that's probably one of the biggest barriers I've seen over the past decade. As a matter of fact, I just received an email from a reader of Culture is the Way uh, two days ago, which, I mean, the email was probably seven pages long talking about, you know, really enjoyed the book. But, you know, his biggest roadblock is dealing ex- exactly with that. You know, mid-level manager, I think this gentleman has 25 direct reports, but it's it's a part of a larger entity. Uh, you know, of, of, I think they have 21,000 employees total. And his biggest barrier is, you know, what do I do if my executive leadership team is not fully committed to building culture? Um, so I see that every single day I'm having conversations with mid-level managers who have that roadblock. And my advice is always the same. You know, start where you can. Do the right next thing right where you are. And I think over time, right, that may sound, you know, very cliche, but what you'll realize is that within your department or division or your sphere of influence within an organization, when you start building a cohesive team and, and, and cultivate winning behaviors within your culture for department or division, that, that starts to cascade throughout the organization when you start to build that much of a healthy and positive team in department and division. So my advice is always to keep doing the right thing. And every moment is an opportunity to do the next right thing. Uh, I think that's a first place to start. And then number two, understand the importance of it. Understand why culture is important. It's not just, as we talked about, a cliche or perks. Understand that it truly is your greatest competitive advantage to execute your strategy. So can we talk us through the the framework um, at a high level uh, that you, you outline in the book? Yeah, you know, and, and we probably won't have time for, you know, to go in depth with all of those, you know, but the fir- the very first one is to define your culture, you know, as we already kind of talked about that, um, you know, and, and really from there, that really, that process starts with maybe a three to four month journey of getting the senior leadership team together, depending on the size of an organization, mid-level managers can certainly be involved in that process. Uh, but really it's to lay the, the groundwork of, you know, why are we doing this? Why is culture our greatest competitive advantage? You know, looking at case studies, looking at different ways that we can engage the hearts and minds of people within our organization that, hey, this is not something that's going to be a check the box initiative. This needs to be a mandate that's an imperative for us to win and continue to drive scalability moving forward. Um, so, you know, defining your culture is a process where in the book I talk about that is a, the job of the senior leadership team. You know, as a mid-level manager, you certainly could do that within your own division and department, and I certainly know examples of that. But defining the culture really at scale has to come from the senior leadership team. And I I walk the reader through kind of a discovery process of answering questions on how to do that. Uh, And then from there, the second step is a, you know, shared and collaborative process where that is where the mid-level managers you know, start to integrate with the, the C-suite and executive leadership team. And from there, it's looking at the, uh, the values you have for your organization. Every company has values and mission statement, but how can we take those values and distill it down to a cultural manifesto, I call it in the book, a behavioral manifesto, which is taking those values and distilling them down to clear and concise behavior statements. And then from there, everything is revolved around the, the reinforcement, the training, how are we going to launch our culture and really engage the hearts and minds of the greater organization once that discovery process, defining process is completed. So can you give us some, um, you know, some tips about the things that get in the way of this apart from, you know, the overall hugeness of the challenge? But, you know, what, what are the things that you are encountering in your work 
with what stands in the way of, of getting this to adopt and scale? You know, I, I think the the number one thing that you probably would think of is just, I mean, it's, it's so true, is the complexity of the market. I think a lot of organizations and leaders are being pulled in a million different directions. Everybody has a certain level of complexity and difficulty within the marketplace, within their sphere of influence. And I think it's managing the change and all the turmoil and hardships that, that you may experience day in and day out, but then also keeping true to your word of, hey, it is a priority and imperative for us to continue to build and enhance a winning culture and positive culture that's going to really embody, you know, the organization that we want to build. So I think, number one, it's, it's being true to what you say you're going to do. Right. And then I think from there, it's it's really understanding that as a leader, as a mid-level manager, how you think, how you behave, what you say, everything you do, it starts right there. Right. And one of the processes we didn't get to this, um, you know, but one of the key things is that leaders lead the way. They blaze the trail forward. You know, you'll never build a great culture if every senior leader, if every mid-level manager is not first, you know, living that culture day in and day out. You know, I think that that is one of the biggest, the biggest barriers that most organizations face. They go through all this work. They go through all this, uh, you know, looking at the analyses, looking at the different data, looking at the research. How do we want to be defined internally? And they may release that to the greater organization, but then from there, they're not behaving in that manner. They're not living the values. So, you know, I think that you have to stay true to that. You have to understand the importance. But then from there, you have to understand that you set the tone as a leader. So let's go to the origin story of this for a moment. You know, you, you came from elite sport. And obviously, you know, unfortunately, you, you, you couldn't fulfill your true potential in there. So why did you, why is this so important to you? Why, where, 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 where did it come from? Why this became so, so important to me is because I saw the power in it in sport, in athletics. You know, I played American football and, uh, you know, I think one of the greatest lessons I've had throughout my athletic journey was just having unbelievable transformational leaders that showed me the importance of talent is very important. But what's even more important than talent is individuals coming and uniting together and becoming one connected team and being very clear on what you stand for, what your culture stands for. Um, you know, and I've learned that from in the book, I talk about a gentleman by the name of Terry Hepner, who was my college coach at Indiana University. But I, I think football in American football, I use it as the example in the book, provides one of the greatest examples of some of the best culture builders out there. Uh, when you look at some of the greatest football coaches like Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots and um, I, in the book, I talk about Mel Tucker and PJ Fleck, um, you know, who are collegiate football coaches in America. You know, one of the things that, that, that they truly understand is that, you know, that is the one thing that's going to differentiate us because everybody wants to win a championship. Everybody's going to try to get the, the, the five-star, four-star recruits. But how can we build a unique culture that's going to accelerate our growth and impact as a team and build that bond and connectedness? So for me, I, I think being an athlete just really solidified that this is the number one thing. You know, we, we still need to train our people. We still need to focus on getting the best talent and nurturing the best talent. But from there, you know, how can we create a mechanism in place, right, which is i.e. culture that's going to really help scale our winning behaviors that are going to produce superior results in the marketplace or win games in, in athletics. So for me, uh, the passion came from seeing what it can do when you build a world class winning culture. Excellent. What else should we be asking you about? your work in the book? You know, I think one of the things that I would 
and I, I talk about it in the book, you know, towards the end there about, you know, the, really the power. We talked a little bit about it here today about, you know, the five-step framework in the book, um, you know, which is that leaders set the foundation. I, I really believe that everybody knows the importance of leadership within an organizational setting. Uh, we, we all know that, you know, Cotter's research in Harvard, right, 70% of change initiatives fail. Um, a large part of that is because of le- the lack of leadership. Uh, but I also look at it from a cultural perspective that it, it's nearly impossible to build a winning, positive, healthy culture if the leaders of that organization are not fully committed to building a more fulfilling, impactful workplace where people love coming to work every single day, but also understanding that culture is not to make everybody happy. It's to execute the strategy of that organization. So I, I think to just reiterate the importance of leadership with building culture I think there's a lot of talk of that, but I, I really believe that it's kind of gl- glanced at and then forgotten about, you know, it, that that's for them to get on, you know, or senior leaders will say that that's the mid-level manager's job where it's really every leader's job. If you are a people manager, that is your job to build an environment that helps people win, put them in the best position to win and exploit their strengths. And then also that's going to benefit the greater organization at whole. Okay. So Matt, how can people contact you and learn more about the book? What's the the quickest way to do that? Yeah, the best way for the book, um, you know, culture is the way uh, would be Amazon. Um, There's also a website, cultureistheway.com. But the best place to connect with me and learn a little bit more about my work is mattmayberryonline.com. And I'm on all the social media platforms. I I keep losing track of all the ones that we have now. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, thoroughly recommend uh, getting a copy of Culture is the Way. I really enjoyed it. And Matt, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I uh, wish you the best of luck with your work and with the sales of the book. And, um, you know, perhaps we'll, you know, have a deeper dive with you at some point on The Evolving Leader. But for now, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that. Thank you.